turn your pew Bible to Matthew 6 in verse 9. We are continuing our series in the Lord's Prayer, and this morning we're going to do a shift in the Lord's Prayer. The first three petitions have been all about God, Godward-centered prayer, God's glory, God's name, God's kingdom, God's will. And now getting into the fourth petition, we're going to start shifting to our needs with the first one being our physical needs with daily bread. And Mark mentioned this the first week, but it's worth repeating. The Lord's Prayer in the early church, because they didn't have a lot of books, they didn't have a lot of resources and things like we do, they used the Lord's Prayer really as a discipleship tool. So when they looked at the Lord's Prayer, it wasn't just more information about prayer. It was forming them. It was, they were memorizing it and learning it in order to pray more. And so our application each week with these petitions really is just to get you all praying the Lord's Prayer. So we've, we've done the first three with God's glory. Now we'll focus starting with the, the fourth petition, starting to talk about our good in prayer. So Matthew 6, starting there in verse 9. And Jesus said, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray and thank him for his word. Father, we are thankful for your word this morning. We're thankful for the ways that you open our hearts and minds daily to what you're doing and what you're giving and what you're producing in and through our lives. Lord, I pray you do it again. I pray through this petition that as we look at give us this day our daily bread, we would be astonished again and again by your grace and that would make us the most generous people on earth. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I don't remember too much about my childhood, um, but I do remember the first time I prayed. And I'm not talking about dinnertime prayers. I'm not talking about bedtime prayers. I'm talking about cards on the table, get everything on the line. God, if you don't move here, something bad is going to happen to me. I really, really need your help here. I was in elementary school, and we were on summer vacation. And so for summer vacation, my parents decided to take kind of a surprise trip down to Atlanta to watch my first Major League Baseball game, the Atlanta Braves versus Chicago Cubs. I was a Cincinnati Reds fan, so that was a little confusing, but that's not really the point of the story. And we had this old blue Lincoln that, uh, just to put it uh, lightly, it wasn't the most reliable family vehicle. It had broken down a lot of times, especially on the way back to Kentucky on Jellicoe Mountain. And of course, when we get into Atlanta, the car starts to slow down, the engine starts making noises, and my dad has to pull over to the side of the road because we are now stuck with the Braves field nowhere in sight. And I remember, as I'm sure my parents were stressed and fighting and all this stuff that happens when your car breaks down on vacation, I remember as all that commotion was going on, I remember, and I can still see myself, in the back seat praying. And that wasn't because I was the most spiritual elementary school kid in the world. I was scared that we were going to miss the game. I didn't want to miss the game, so I said, God, you're going to need to help me here to get me to this game. And, and as I'm praying, lo and behold, a car pulls up behind us. A very big man gets out of the driver's seat and comes over to our car and asks us if we need help. And I promise you, I'm not lying about this. You can ask my parents if you ever meet them. The guy had a shirt on that said, working for Jesus. 
And when I saw that shirt, when I saw this man with my prayer working for Jesus, my little brain exploded. <laughs> because I had grown up in church. I knew that God was kind of, when we prayed, he was into the church thing. He was into the religious thing. I had no clue that God actually cared about broken down old Lincolns. And as we look at the fourth petition this morning, that's where Jesus is going to lead us here. As we start to pray for ourselves, he's going to get into the actual nitty-gritty of our lives, our actual physical needs. And as we look at this prayer, I really do hope your brain explodes a little bit too. That God, in the height of his glory, we've covered his name, we've covered his will, we've covered his kingdom, and all that bigness of God really wants to get into the smallness of your life. So three lessons for us this morning that will help us pray this prayer. Three lessons from give us this day our daily bread. It's going to teach us that prayer is honest, prayer is really hard, and prayer is our only hope. Prayer is honest, prayer is hard, prayer is our hope. Let's start with prayer is honest. You see there in Matthew 6, 11, if you want to look back at it, we read it, give us this day our daily bread, and we think finally something on first reading in the Lord's Prayer that I understand (laughs) I might not understand exactly what it means to hallow God's name. How how do I make his name special? We might not understand on first reading exactly what God's kingdom is and what it means that's coming to earth. Reading that God's will will be done brings up all kinds of questions of what is God's will and what's that mean for my life. But bread, I got bread. (laughs) I can understand when I read, God, give me this day our daily bread. I understand exactly what bread is. So on the surface, this looks like the clearest petition for us out of the Lord's Prayer. But interesting enough, throughout church history, this has been the most controversial. All throughout church history, there's been so much debate back and forth of what does Jesus mean here by bread? And all the controversy rests on one word, that word in verse 11, daily. You see, daily is a Greek word that is extremely, extremely rare. It's the Greek word epiousios. I think I'm, I think I'm getting that right. Epiousios. It's only used two times in the entire Bible. It's used here in Matthew 6 in the Lord's Prayer, and it's used again in Luke 11 on Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. So it's only used two times in the Bible, and to make matters worse, it's not used again in all of Greek literature. And when a word doesn't show up in all of Greek literature, it becomes very hard to understand what does this exactly mean? So what a lot of people early on said, since this word isn't found anywhere else, then this can't be talking about physical bread because they would have just said that. It must be much more spiritual than that because they used, Luke and Matthew both use a very special word, so this must be something more special than physical bread. Some say, well, it's not physical bread. It must be talking about communion. So give us this daily bread talks about our communion practices. Some say, no, no, it's not communion. It's talking about scripture. Scripture is kind of the bread of life. So it's, it's talking about give us your word. And others would say, no, no, it's not talking about those things. It's talking, Jesus said he was the bread of life. It's saying that Jesus is what we most need when we pray this prayer. And of course, there's all those spiritual applications. Of course, you can draw out those things from give us this day our daily bread. But by and large, because of that word, the early commentators completely ignored the physical aspects of this prayer. They believe this prayer, it couldn't be talking about material, actual bread. One early church father, in fact, said, 
It is impossible that when we come into the presence of God, Christ would, make, would command us to make mention of food. He said it's impossible that in prayer, Christ would undignify himself to even talk about our food, to talk about our material needs. That is, they thought this, this is way too material for our prayer life until someone found this word on something else. A couple centuries later, archaeologists found some old fragments of paper with this same Greek word coming up, epiousios. You know where they found it on? A grocery list. You see, the reason this word had not shown up in any other Greek writing was not because it was so special, it was because it was so common. It was not the language of the philosophers and the poets, it was the language of the common people. Homer didn't really write a lot of epic poems about going to Kroger. This was common language. And I know that's a lot of work in the Greek, but just think about how remarkable this is. The God who we've been told, whose name is above all names, whose kingdom will be reigning, whose will will be done, he actually cares about your grocery list. When Jesus tells us to pray for daily bread, he means bread. He means physical bread. Are there spiritual applications? Of course there are. But Jesus is asking us to get honest about our physical needs. In that culture, bread was not, like, not optional like it is in ours. It was a staple. It was foundational. It was necessary for all of life. And so when Jesus asks us, give us this, bread, give us this day our daily bread, he's asking you to pray everything that's necessary for you to live for contentment, enjoyment. It's, it's similar to our word for breadwinner. Breadwinner is not someone that literally brings bread. It's someone that literally provides for the needs of a family. And Jesus is teaching us that as we start praying for ourselves, we have to start honestly. We have to start by bringing our real physical needs before him. And that might seem hard for you, it might feel weird to go from God's glory in the first three petitions to getting this honest about what you need. You see it in those first three petitions, they're all about God. And now to start putting your needs on the table, that might feel selfish, that might feel strange. Because isn't God the main gift of prayer? Well, yeah, he is. God's the main gift of prayer, not necessarily our physical needs. That's what the first three petitions are about. But God, as a gift of prayer and meeting our physical needs, are not opposed. God's glory is manifested in our good. Think about this in terms of a marriage. Every good marriage knows that the true gift of that marriage is not each other's needs, but each other, right? That's what we say in our vows. In our vows, we promise to give our lives to each other, not necessarily to have all the perfect circumstances, so we th- say things like, whether we're rich or we're poor, we'll still be there. Whether we're sick or we're healthy, we'll still be there. Because the most important thing in this marriage is us to each other. The greatest gift in marriage is your spouse. I got it. But let's say I'm on my way home from work this week, and Celeste calls me up, and she says, hey, can you stop by the grocery store and bring home a loaf of bread? If I were to say, Well, Celeste, you really shouldn't ask me for that because I'm actually the greatest gift of our marriage. Because I'm the greatest gift of our marriage, you don't really need all those other things like bread and milk and eggs. 
If I were to say that, I would need to get a lot more than bread to come home that night. (laughs) And you're laughing because it's ridiculous. But we do that with God all the time. We think because God is the gift of prayer, and he is, we can't bring our honest needs before him. But God loves meeting our needs. They're not disconnected. My love for Celeste is not disconnected from providing for what she actually needs. And God isn't either. And if God is honest about your daily needs, can you start to be too? The quickest way to stop praying in life is to stop being honest in prayer. Once you stop being honest, you will stop praying. Because prayer is not a place to perform. It's not a a place to try to be good. It's a place to be honest. Just read through the Psalms. There's so much gut-level honesty because God wants his people to bring his, their heart to him. So this is what usually happens when we don't do this. What usually happens is you start to pray, and when we pray, our minds start to wonder, don't they? We're trying to pray good things. We're trying to pray for people in our life. We're trying to pray God's glory, and all we can think about is our to-do list. All we can think about is our fears of the future or our regrets from the past. We start thinking about our dreams and our hopes and our anxieties. And what happens when you do that? Most of us, we pause the prayer and we stop talking to God and start talking to self. Why are you doing that? Why are you thinking about your to-do list? Why are you thinking about all these other distractions? You're supposed to be praying and we leave God altogether. What if instead we are honest with those wonderings? We let those wonderings, as they take us into our to-do list for the day, we start praying that to-do list before God, saying, God, I don't know how I'm going to get this done this week. Help me. When we start thinking about our fears of the future, we bring our kids to the table. We bring our jobs to the table. We bring these anxieties and worries to God. Bring your prayers back down to earth like Jesus tells us to do. To pray for daily bread is to start praying honestly. So that's the first lesson. Prayer is honest. Here's the second lesson. Prayer is really, really hard. If you've ever tried to pray, you know that. We can breathe here. We can admit that prayer is really hard. I've never met anyone in my life that is satisfied with their prayer life. Maybe you all have, but I've never met anyone that say, I'm, I'm content with how I pray. I really don't think I need to grow more in my prayer life. We all know we need to pray more, but yet prayer still remains the hardest thing for us to do, doesn't it? Why is that? Well, look back at verse 11. Jesus tells us. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Stephen mentioned this, but the problem of the Christian life is it's so daily. That's why prayer is so hard. He doesn't just ask us to pray for bread. He asks to pray for it this day, day by day. And in, in the church at that time, the disciples would probably pray morning and evening. So when evening came, they would pray, God, provide for my needs for the coming day. When they'd wake up in the morning, they'd pray again, God, meet me in my needs that, that, that approach me this day. So morning and evening, every single day, they had to admit, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I need your help here. Prayer is so hard because prayer unlike anything else, is all about dependence. And that's exactly where God wants us to be. 
Have you noticed that throughout the entire Bible, God is always putting his people in positions to make them live day by day? He isn't really forecast the future much beyond that. Why? He's trying to help them learn how to trust. That's what we saw in our Old Testament passage that Amy read for us in Exodus 16. In Exodus 16, God had just led his people out of slavery in Egypt. He just conquered Pharaoh through the Passover and the the crossing in the Red Sea. And as soon as he displays all that power and saves his people out of that bondage, they get in the wilderness and his, and his people just start complaining. They start grumbling. God, when are you really going to provide for us? We had more food back in Egypt. Now we're out here in the wilderness and we're starving. And what does God do? Exodus sixteen four. Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them. Each morning they could go out and gather as much as they'd like, but if they tried to store it up much past the day, if they tried to store it up for the next day or the next day except on Sabbath, overnight it rotted, it smelled, and it wasted away. Why? Why would God set it up like this to make it so difficult? to not even be able to store it for a couple days, but only just a day. You see, God's primary goal for them was not their comfort, it was their dependence. And that's his primary goal for you in prayer too. That's what we most need. We need day by day dependence on our Father in heaven. And in prayer, you get that unlike anything else. There's many things even in the Christian life you can do with some sort of independence, but you can't do prayer that way. Prayer is a total giving up of control, a total giving up of, I can't do this, God, please help me. And that was so hard for the Israelites, and they were in the wilderness and had nothing. How hard do you think it is for Americans who live in one of the most prosperous nations who have everything? I don't know if you've seen the movie Shen Noah with Jimmy Stewart. It's an old classic movie, Turner Classic Movies. I like Jimmy Stewart starting with It's a Wonderful Life and that kind of led me into some more of his movies. But in that, in that movie, he's the father of a Virginia family at the outbreak of the Civil War and he's a farmer and he's kind of the epitome of the American way. Self-reliant, self-sufficient, hardworking, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But something's happened to him as the Civil War has broken out. He is widowed. And his, his late wife was kind of the Christian matriarch of the family. She was a spiritual one. She was the one that had the kids in church. She was the one that prayed before dinner. And one of her dying wishes was to Jimmy Stewart's character, hey, please don't let this go. Please have our kids in church. Please continue to pray before dinner. But he's not like her. He's not living a life of dependence. He lives his life in independence. And so he sits down at one of their first dinners after she passes away to pray. And his prayer is absolutely ridiculous. Here's what he says. Lord, we cleared this land. We plowed it. We sowed it. We harvested it. We cooked the harvest. It wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be eating it if we hadn't done it all ourselves. We worked dog bone hard for every crumb and morsel. But I guess we can thank you just the same, Lord, for the food we're about to eat. Amen. It wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be eating it if we hadn't done it all ourselves. And we would never say that out loud. But a lot of us live like that. 
We would never say, we've done all this, Lord, but I guess thank you. But it's so easy in America with all our resources to stop having to depend on God for our physical needs. I mean, how do you pray for daily bread when we know it's in our pantry right now? We've already got it. It's already secured there. So how am I going to pray for this? And that's most of us here. I know that's not all of us, but that's most of us, including me. Most of us have so many material resources that we really don't have to depend on God day by day. And Jesus would say, if that is true of you, that we have enough material resources not to depend on him day by day, you actually need this prayer more, not less. Listen to the Christian minister, Stacy Woods. Material affluence does not lessen my need to rely on God. Actually, it increases it. Because riches increase, my, give me a greater spiritual danger when I have plenty than when I have nothing. Hence the almost greater need of the wealthy to cry to God for mercy that they may not fail to trust him. Listen to me. It's really not wrong to have things. God cares about physical things. That's why he has this prayer in the first place. We are blessed with so many material resources and that can be such a good thing. But what's not good is if it fools us into thinking we're no longer dependent on God. We can lose the desperation of realizing that every day when we wake up, we need God for absolutely everything. And we are utterly hopeless unless God does something. And the greatest news in the world this morning is that God did something. And let's finish there now. We've seen that prayer is honest. We've seen that prayer is really hard. Now let's finish by looking at how how prayer really is our only hope in life. Look back at the petition there in verse 11. And this one's easy to miss. But, But think back as you're reading this. What is the hope of this prayer? It's found in those first two words. Give us this day our daily bread. The hope of this prayer is the hope of the entire Christian life that God might be so gracious to us to give. Every single thing that exists in this world, every single thing that you have right now is because God gave it. If God did not give it, none of us would have it. And this prayer puts all of its hope on that emphasis, that God is a God who gives and gives and gives. Just think back to the very first words of the Bible. Go all the way back to Genesis 1-1. And what do you read? In the beginning, God. And he could have stopped there. We say in our confessions every month that God is perfect in his being, that he is triune. That means he is one God in three persons, perfectly satisfied within himself, perfectly content, perfectly blessed, meaning he has no need outside of himself. So if anything is going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to have to come by God's generosity. He doesn't need to give, he's going to have to want to give. And he wanted to. Because Genesis 1-1 is not the only verse in your Bible. You have many verses. And out of his sheer divine generosity and grace, he creates everything that we can see in this world. And that creation speaks so much to his abundancy, doesn't it? So many different colors, so many different places, so many different trees and animals and ideas. So much abundance of diversity in our world. 
Why all the excess? God loves to give. And that giving does not stop with creation. God's giving is the dominating story of the entire Bible. What happens after Adam and Eve sin? God gives them clothing to cover their nakedness. What happens when the world is overrun with evil? God pours his favor out on Noah and gives him a plan with the ark to save the day. He chooses Abraham and he gives a sacrifice for his son Isaac. He leads Moses and gives the lamb for the Passover. This is the story of the Old Testament. God giving and giving and giving and giving. And we see how far God's generosity goes when Jesus shows up on the scene. And is it any surprise to any of us that in John 6, Jesus shows up on the scene, people have no food, 5,000 plus people, these big crowds, and he's the one to feed them. He gives them bread, he gives them fish, and it's overflowing so much the disciples have to pick up 12 baskets full. And he tells them afterwards, hey, your stomach's going to continue to rumble because your soul is not yet satisfied. And he says in John 6, 32, connecting it to our, our Old Testament passage, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of heaven is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall no longer hunger. What is Jesus saying here? I'm the true manna. I am the true manna from heaven. I am the gift of God who's been given to you to satisfy your soul. And how am I going to satisfy your soul? I'm going to have to go satisfy the divine wrath of God. And when he goes to that cross to satisfy the divine wrath of God for our souls, do you remember what he says? All the people think it's their schemes, their planning. And he says, no one takes my life from me, but what? I give it. Why is Jesus on the cross? The same reason this morning you have daily bread. God loves to give his people what they need. And we needed a savior and God gave him. Do you see it now? Do you see it now why our only hope is in a God who would give? And that's not just the hope for you this morning. It's the hope for the world. Notice in the Lord's Prayer, he does not say, give me. He says, give us. The hope of this prayer is not just give me my needs, but give us our needs. And that's going to trace out through the next two petitions. The Lord's Prayer is not a singular prayer. It's a community prayer where we're not just praying for ourselves. We're praying for others. You're not just praying for your own needs. You're praying for the needs of the community. So I might have daily bread in my pantry right now, but people across the street don't. I know that because I've heard them pray the Lord's Prayer, literally. I don't know where bread's gonna come today. Please give me this bread. Some people in our church might not have bread. And when they don't have the strength to pray this prayer, we get the opportunity to pray it for them. You see how incredible this prayer is? When you pray this prayer, you're not just asking God to be a recipient of his grace. You actually get to participate in his grace and generosity for the world. When you pray this prayer, you get to become more like God 
And what does God do? He gives. I'll wrap us up with this story. I had a good friend that worked in mercy ministry for a long time in Chattanooga, Tennessee, especially among the homeless. The church was uh, located kind of by this bridge, and a lot of the homeless population would set up under that bridge. And during that time, he met a woman. This is not her real name, but just for the sake of the story, he named her Tammy. And Tammy was a homeless lady that reached out to the church, and so he met with her, and he saw that she, she had several needs. She needed some warm clothes, a blanket, some food from the grocery and after a couple of meetings with her, she decided to start coming to church. And she, she wanted not just material needs, but some spiritual needs, some community, some things like that. So the deacons came around her, some people in the church came around her and really started helping her out. And one of the things they did was they, they talked to a local food bank and they said, can we get some small slips of paper that can act like coupons that we can give to her each month and she could bring it to the food bank and they can give her some food. And they were like, yeah, that's great. So that's what they started to do. Each month, the first of the month, they give her several of these coupons. She could go week by week and, and get her food. There was just one problem with this system. Tammy loved to share. You see, Tammy, living under that bridge, had met a lot of people that also had needs. She met a lot of people that also didn't have food. And so she started giving them away. And my friend found this out. He met with her. He's like, hey, let's not try to give these away. These are for you. I want you to have them. She would go and give them away. <laughs> Meet the next month. Hey, these are for you. Go give them away. Finally, this kind of hit a standstill. And my friend, what he would say to his shame now, he was getting frustrated with Tammy. And so he met with her one month. And he said, Tammy, please do not give these away anymore. These coupons are for yourself. And if you don't keep these, you're not going to have enough food and you're going to be hungry at the end of the month. And he said he's never forgotten her response. He, she said, I'm really getting tired of being told not to share the food that God has shared with me. I was given this food. Why can't I give some too? Do you see how important this petition is? Not just to your life, but to the life of the world. Every time you pray, give us this day our daily bread, you are entering into God's world of grace. And your heart, when you pray this prayer, can't help but grow. Grow because now you get to receive grace upon grace. Grow because now you get to give grace upon grace. So this week, for the application, would you pray? Would you pray this petition specifically? Would you have the courage to be honest with God? Would you have the courage to press through the hardness of prayer and daily dependence? Because it really isn't just your hope. It's really the hope of the world. Like Tammy said, God has given us everything. So why not, can't, why not we give some too? Let's pray. Father, your generosity is overwhelming. And I pray that we can live in it right now. Whatever we need. For those that need to receive it, I pray they would receive it in its full that you pour out your grace upon them. And for those that need to give it, to participate in your generosity, Lord, help us to do that as well. We're so thankful for you in so many ways. Thank you that you're a God who gives to us much more than we deserve. And now we pray as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also are debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the power, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.